episode is brought to you by VibeCheck, mental health in the startup world. Technisha podcast where my friend and colleague Winston Sang speaks to startup leaders and mental health professionals to understand how he can manage his mental well-being. More on that in a bit, but first, on with the show. Welcome to Deep Dive, a show where we discuss the biggest headlines to hit the startup scene with the journalists who broke the stories. My name's Nat, and today we're going to talk about PayMongo. A couple months ago, the Philippine-based fintech company, backed by Y Combinator and Stripe, was hanging in a delicate balance. There was a fallout among its C-suite leaders, there was the ousting of a couple of co-founders, and there were some allegations of questionable spending and employee harassment against senior leaders. My colleague Melissa Go joins me for this story. Yeah, so PayMongo was founded in 2019, right? It's a Philippine-based fintech startup. It you know really jumped right into the payment scene before the COVID-19 pandemic hit the world. And I think for PayMongo, it really made a name for itself by serving your SMEs, right? What was different about it was that it had a very seamless, frictionless sign-up process. So merchants could be onboarded digitally. And from what I understand, it was also charging no setup fees at a time where, you know, it was very common for many other payments companies to be charging, you know, uh, one-time fees or maintenance fees when they signed up with a payments provider. So I guess in essence, PayMongo was really championing your small and medium-sized businesses. And again, these were the businesses who really needed help uh, when the pandemic hit, right? Um, Help in terms of accepting payments digitally. And I think um, that's how it grew very rapidly at the start. Right. So how successful was PayMongo actually in its field as a payment gateway? I think it did well. Well, it did well when it was growing rapidly at the start. You know, in the first couple of months, it onboarded over a thousand SME clients. Uh, and I think, you know, between the time of its Series A and Series B funding rounds, which was between September 2020 in February 2022, I believe, uh, PayMongo tripled its merchant base to over 9,000, right? And I think in last year alone, it grew its base of SMEs by 40%, um, you know, tripled its monthly transaction volume. So yeah, it, it did grow pretty strongly and rapidly. Um, I think it was around 2021 when it started to see competitors like Sandit really step up in the Philippine market. Um, Sandit, of course, is uh, an Indonesia-based payments gateway. And, you know, last year, it also invested in DragonPay, which is another local competitor in the Philippines, which gave it a further edge. And I think that's when PayMongo started feeling uh, a bit of heat. Right. And so with all of this going on, Could you explain why now PayMongo is known to be, quote-unquote, hanging in a delicate balance? Yeah, I think there are a couple of things that are happening with the company right now. I think center of it is an alleged harassment complaint that was made against its CEO, Francis Plaza, which the board is currently investigating. Mm. 
during this time, um, Plaza has taken the voluntary leave of absence and the firm has appointed an acting CEO. There were also, as mentioned in, in the story, several high-level departures from the firm, including its former chief operating officer, former chief financial officer, as well as chief commercial officer. Uh, and, and two of them were co-founders of the company, right? Uh, I think there were also questions raised about spending, right, by Plaza on, you know, business class flights, as well as an ultra-high-end luxury home that two of its founders co-rented. There's inherently nothing wrong with, you know, this kind of spending. It really raised eyebrows because it was happening at a time where the company was coming under uh, performance strain from, from its competition. Right. So maybe let's talk a little bit about each of these things. First, about the allegations of harassment by the CEO, Francis Plaza, right? Mm -hmm. What exactly were these allegations and what was his response to these allegations? Right. So last month, a former PMOGO employee uh, made complaints to the company about alleged harassment from its CEO, Francis Plaza. From what we understand, Plaza had offered a promotion to this employee who has already left the firm for a head of people position. And this happened late last year. Plaza had allegedly, you know, made a verbal offer to the employee for the role. However, it, it appears that it was contingent upon the fact that both got into a romantic relationship. But Plaza had allegedly rescinded this offer after this person rejected his advances. Uh, so maybe we can just call him Thomas here as we get in the story. Mm. Disclaimer, Thomas is not his real name. So the two had been on an out-of-town trip for the 335 Fund, which was an informal site project that uh, its co-founders, Francis Plaza and Luis Sia, worked on. And during this trip, Plaza had confessed his feelings for Thomas. He had promised to be Thomas's, I quote, kingmaker, uh, and be you know, instrumental to his success. But again, that was all contingent on the two being romantically involved. Uh, so what we understand is that after Thomas had rejected Plaza's advances, Plaza rescinded that role. And it was also a role that Plaza had been the sole decision maker for. Mm. So you have that power dynamic there where you, know, you have a CEO unilaterally making an offer and, and, and taking it back. Of course, Plaza on his part has denied ever making uh, a, a verbal or written offer to Thomas for this role. Uh, Plaza has told us in an interview that he that Thomas himself had expressed an interest in the role, but you know because he had lacked a critical qualification for the role, uh, he was eventually not offered um, this promotion. Right, and as I understand it, this leader to employee kind of romantic relationship thing was actually something that wasn't exclusive to just Francis and Thomas, right? Uh, there were some um, instances of it happening across other co-founders and their direct reports or their employees. Yeah, so on Plaza, this incident with Thomas was... We found not the first time that he had been romantically involved with a PayMongo employee. I think around the time of 2020, uh, it had been an open secret that Plaza had dated an employee of the firm. A source had told us that Luisia, the firm's former chief commercial officer, had also been romantically involved with a 
direct report at the firm. Of course, this is something that Sia has denied. He has denied you know, any form of hearsay that he had been in a romantic relationship with uh, anyone at the firm. So I understand also that the co-founders, aside from some of them having romantic relationships with some of their direct reports or some of their employees, mm-hmm. they also had a sort of inner circle where there were allegations of this inner circle having fast-tracked careers. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we heard from our sources that there had been this quote inner circle around its co-founders, right? And this exclusive crowd was made up of people who were close to the leadership team um, as well as people that you know the co-founders had directly hired themselves. I think it was a perception that this inner circle of people had their careers fast-tracked and I think what led to this perception was that for a time there had been no HR department in the company. So without a HR department, what happened was that you had a few employees who were promoted directly by Plaza, right? Without going through any formal hiring process. So it really got people talking, Mm -hmm. uh, right? And I think, you know, even if these people had actually been promoted on merit, right? The, The lack of a formal process really undermined their abilities, right? And whatever they had to show for it. And I think it was perceived by other employees in the firm that, you know, there was some form of favoritism going on, whether, you know, there was really any favoritism going on or not. And so the other thing that you talked about was there being some allegations of questionable spending by some of the co-founders. And Mm -hmm. as I understand it, a lot of these were personal expenses at a time when the company was not exactly in tip-top shape, right? Could you just explain a little bit about what's happening there? Yeah, so in the past year, I think both Francis Plaza and Jaime Hing, another co-founder of the firm, have been increasingly open about their spending on, on social media. And again, I think there's nothing inherently wrong with splurging on traveling or buying expensive watches or cars. Plaza himself has said that the reason why he's been able to fund all these travels is because he doesn't have a family to support. Um, but I think, yeah, this drew some concerns um, from people within the firm, right? Because it was a time where the company was coming under um, competitive strain. So in the past year, Plaza had traveled extensively to Europe and in the US. He also threw himself a birthday party in a Porsche villa in Spain, um, bought a luxury watch that costs about 12,000 US dollars, um, as well as a luxury Porsche car and a Range Rover. Uh, meanwhile, Jaime Hing drives an Aldi and you know had also traveled to Europe. Both Plaza and Luis Sia had also co-rented a house in the ultra-high-end district of Forbes Park in Manila. And to, to fund this, they took out a loan right from an executive loan program hmm. that was available to CC and executives in the company, you know. Under this program, what we understand is that C-suite executives can borrow up to a maximum of $100,000 in USD, right, um, collectorized against their company shares. Right. So that, I guess, is where some of the company's employees were probably not feeling great about that because they were leveraging their positions as C-suites to be able to take out this loan 
while the company was not exactly in the best position. And right. It seemed like they weren't focusing so much on that. Was that the case? It's possible. It's possible. I don't know if there's a direct co- correlation there. And to be clear, um, I think the three of the company's co-founders have also sold a small portion of their shares for cash, which might have been an added source of capital or funds, right? Mm-hmm. That they could spend and splurge on. Another thing to add about this executive loan program, right, is that I don't know how common it is in the Philippines. I'm not based there, but when we were speaking to Plaza last month, he did tell us that it was a pretty common employee benefit that is in place in many Filipino startups to, I guess, attract and and retain talent. And I will also add that Plaza has since paid back the loan amount that he has taken out, right? I guess my point is that there is, in the case of the house, there there was nothing, you know, illegal going on, right? It was an official, I guess, program that was put in place available to Paymonger's executives. And then so they, they made use of that program, took out a loan, uh, paid back that loan. I guess, you know, as an employee in the firm who is seeing your, your top leaders splurge and spend money on what it seems like, you know, very personal expenditure, even as the firm is struggling a little, Right. Um, I think that naturally raises um, some concerns. Right. So it was more a matter of optics than it was something of like unethical actions or anything. Okay. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back. Putting well-being first doesn't just mean that you go soft on yourself. It's also about being able to assert your boundaries in a healthy way. I fundamentally believe that anyone can relate to their mental health or to mental health in general. Everyone has their struggles. Everyone has their bad habits. Everyone has things that they wish um, they were they were a bit more resilient or better at or whatnot. It made me shut down a lot because you need to like be hard right to make all these decisions yeah so I think it was like shut off and just work or bury your head in like working and driving results so looking back it's really unhealthy and I've yet to process it the real fact that people do look at an employer as um, a provider of many different things uh, I think a job has many different meanings for an individual it's not just about the income right it also touches on self-esteem self-worth take time to be balanced, you know, Mm -hmm. because obviously we live in a very stressful uh, world and environment. So it's good to uh, put a big premium on your well-being, you know, your peace. I mean, if something's robbing your peace, you really should be uh, pretty selfish to try and get (laughs) it back. (laughs) Yes. Welcome to Vibe Check, mental health in the startup world. A Tech in Asia podcast where I talk to startup leaders and mental health experts to see what I can learn from them when it comes to managing my mental well-being. Available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. With all of this happening, on top of there being rising competition, obviously the pandemic was happening. Um, all of this culminated in some departures from the co-founders. So could we talk through some of those departures and why exactly they left or were made to leave the firm? Right. So, yeah, you know, there were several C-level departures from the firm, I think, starting mid last year. Former COO Edwin Lacerda was the first to be ousted from the firm. This was around mid last year. 
you know, while his departure has been described as being amicable, it appears that there had been some, you know, misalignment and in, in strategy and management among the leadership team, which I guess could be common, right, in, in many companies. Um, officially, the reason why he left, uh, as told to us by Plaza, was that he, he left Pimongo to focus on public service, helping in then Vice President Lenny Robredo's presidential campaign, which he did. Mm. There was also Luis Sia, as we uh, alluded to a bit earlier. He left his post as Chief Commercial Officer earlier this year, uh, although he continues to chair the Pimongo board. Again, there are varying explanations for why Sia left the firm. Um, Plaza told us that it was after the two had a conversation about wanting to take the firm from one to a hundred, right? And that it, they had both agreed that they would find someone who was a better fit for the role. Another source told us that Sia had been romantically involved with a direct report at the firm and that had affected his work performance. Um, you know, leading to him being asked to leave. Although that was that is something that Sia has denied. According to Sia, Paymongo's average monthly payment volumes, which was the key metric tied to the growth team that he led, had increased exponentially during the, the time that he had led those efforts. Right. Um, there was also Jay Olos, the firm's former chief financial officer, mm. who was dismissed from the firm around May this year. This was after the firm had received sexual harassment complaints from two employees against him. Plaza has also told us that internally, the firm had found some, quote, financial irregularities on some transactions that the former CFO wasn't able to fully explain. That being said, Olos has very publicly denied this in a LinkedIn post where he said that he's never stolen from any company that he's worked for. Although he did take responsibility for his actions with regards to the harassment complaints, and he apologized to those um, who he may have offended. And so I guess the question I have is, how is the company doing right now? Like aside from all of these uh, allegations, the controversy that's going on at Paymongo. Um, has its growth actually been affected and where does it stand right now? So, based on the company presentation that we saw between August last year and March this year, Paymongo's total payment volumes and revenue have stayed mostly flat, although it did grow on a year-on-year basis. Mm. However, in March this year, uh, total payment volumes and revenues also fell short of its forecasts um, and the numbers from February were similar. Right. That said, Paymongo told us last month that uh, the company is in a strong business position, right? Mm. And according to the company, uh, the number of signups reached an all-time high in July, which was three times its average for the first quarter of 2022. Uh, the company had also doubled its monthly active users in the past year and it's on track to doubling its year-on-year revenue in August. Right. And I think the last that happened was that CEO Francis Plaza has gone on voluntary leave, Mm -hmm. right? And currently has appointed its new chief operating officer as the acting CEO. Mm Mm-hmm. Can you explain a bit of like 
why he went on voluntary leave or what we know about why he went on voluntary leave and whether his leaving will actually have any impact on the company's growth or its performance. So a few days after we published, uh, we, we first reported about the issues at PayMongo. Um, and this was after the board investigation had already been, been launched and was ongoing. Plaza went on voluntary leave of absence. Well, what we understand is that he will be on this leave of absence for as long as the investigation goes on. Mm. Yeah, that's about all we know. But I think we, you know, I think you could, could we assume? Um, I think the fact that they hired an acting CEO in the interim is to, I guess, restore some semblance of stability, right? And and to, to ensure that that PayMongo continues running. Yeah, everything goes on running as, as per usual while the investigation is being conducted. Right, right. So what's the current sentiment like at PayMongo? Do some of the employees, you know, have very pessimistic outlooks? Are some of them optimistic about the future now that all of this has come to light. Um, can you tell us, I guess, about what the current sentiment is right now? Yeah, I think, you know, in the, the multiple sources that we spoke to, um, a lot of Team Mongo's employees, ex-employees, had, you know, spoken well of the firm, right, and its original mission and what it had set out to do. One of them described working at the firm as being, uh, I quote, really good experience, right? Where people were supportive when they had the, you know, the chance to try out new things, take on different roles. Another employee said that PayMongo had a really great company culture where a lot of learning happened and, you know, where everyone was invested in the company, although that was something that changed along the way. One person also said that because things were so fluid, right, because there had been no uh, red tape and, you know, not being bogged down by official processes, things moved fast at the firm, mm. right? So, you know, people were really passionate when things needed to be done. People would come together and, and, and start things really quickly. Um, so I think it's safe to say that I don't think anyone is happy to, to see PayMongo in the current state that it is. I think there's a lot of hope that PayMongo will can and will recover from this, right? Mm. As, as we wait for the results of the investigation, we, we don't know what will happen next. But I think what we, might probably happen is, and what hopefully will happen is that, you know, better processes and safeguards will be put in place following this, these incidents, right? Whatever the results of the investigation, um, I think PayMongo's internal troubles point towards the need for maybe restructuring, right? Maybe putting in place better processes, a need for stronger corporate governance, more clearly drawn lines, mm. and the need for more accountability overall, whether in hiring, whether in spending, employee workplace relations and all that. Right. Now, this is not something that's just happening at PayMongo. I mean, mm -hmm. is there something that other startups, other companies, you know, big or small, can learn from what has happened or what is happening at PayMongo? Yeah, I mean, I think growing pains aren't unique to PayMongo for sure, right? But I think what really differentiates one startup from another would be its ability to deal with these challenges, right? And, and how it does that. Plaza himself is young. He's 29 this year. Mm -hmm. And well, of course, being young is, is no excuse for, you know, 
not being able to keep the company in check. And in a conversation with him, he's acknowledged the need for processes in the company to constantly evolve and, and be improved on. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think we, we can give him some credit for that. Yeah, but I think it really highlights the need for, for you know, things within the company to be constantly evolving, especially in such a fast-growing startup, right? One day you're a team of 10, suddenly you're over 200 employees in headcount. So it's natural for there to be some pressure in terms of, you know, operations and you know, employee management and all that. But I think processes need to keep up. Um, and I think, yeah, maybe the signal or a takeaway for other startups would be, uh, I think, yeah, just the, the need for to, to, to have processes in place, right? I mean, not not introducing so many processes or being bogged down by so much red tips such that it becomes like a, a, a traditional company out there. But I think at, at the very minimum, you do need to have certain safeguards in place. Like, you know, Plaza has said repeatedly that he's committed to, to pay Mongo and I, and I don't doubt that, right? He's a smart guy and I think mm. um, I speak for many employees when I say that, you know, they hope that PayMongo can recover from this and, and be better for it after it. Thank you so much. Okay, no props. Thanks a lot, Ned. For more stories on PayMongo and all the other players in Asia's tech and startup scene, visit techin.asia slash sub to become a Tech in Asia subscriber. Or you could subscribe to this podcast where we're running deep dives every month. But that's it for this episode. Special thanks to Melissa Go for joining me. Let me know if you liked it or if you have any particular stories you'd like to hear us talk about. You can send us an email at podcast at techinasia.com or comment wherever you're listening from. We'd love to know what you think. Until next time, my name's Nat, and thank you once again for listening.